Jackson. And welcome to Running With Problems, a podcast about running. And the intersection of trauma, relationships, and all sorts of problems. Yes, I think we say that differently every time. One of these days we're going to land on one that we're like, this is perfect, we're just going to keep saying it. But I kind of like the way we mix it up. No, it's it's a different podcast every week. (laughs) This week we give a recap on what's been going on in our lives. Yeah, and then we touch on one really interesting article on exercise dependency in ultra runners. We have a lot to say on this topic. I think it's a pretty good discussion between the two of us. Yeah, a brief warning. We do touch on some issues of body dysmorphia and body image. So if that's triggering to you, you can just go ahead and skip over that part when it comes up. It'll be pretty obvious. Yeah, it's it's towards the end of the discussion. And then in the... And the tail minutes of this episode, we touch on a lighter subject of uh, finish line marriage proposals at ultra marathons. Yeah, that one's fun. (laughs) Just a little bit of, uh, you know, punditing on other people's decisions. It's always fun to do. Yeah, it's just our opinions, our musings, our humble thoughts on the subject. Oh, yes. Uh, So not too big an intro this week. We're going to let you guys get into the episode. Uh, We love your ratings and reviews. Uh, We have a bunch of ratings, but we have no reviews. So if anybody wants uh, to give us a review with text, we will read it on the pod. And thanks to Matt Beer for the great music that we run every week. Uh, Any other... The only thing I want to say is please feel free to give us some healthy feedback in that review. We're doing this um, not because we're experts in this platform, and we want to continue to can continually get better. We have um, little fuzzy mics. Yeah, this week. we we have new we have new um, pop covers that are fuzzy. And it's so awesome. Yeah, we learned that from our guest, Ian. Yeah, he had a fuzzy pop cover. Ian and that was a lot of fun. So we really are taking everyone's feedback seriously whenever we get it. Yeah, uh, we just want to be bad, be good and improve and, and continue to talk about things that are interesting uh, in the world of running and the intersectionality with all sorts of other problems. So let's get you guys into the episode. See you next week. doing pretty well. How are you doing? I'm I'm feeling good today. We had a little run this morning, a nice flat run. Yeah, that was, it's nice to run some flats every once in a while. I think yeah. well, there's some news about flat running, right? We we might be signing up for a flat road marathon. <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to sign up for the Dallas Marathon. Gasp. <laughs> Uh, two, uh, this just in two trail runners sign up for road marathon world ends. <laughs> um, I'm pretty excited about, about it as, um, I got excited about it today as I look forward to running a bunch of flats because I recently experienced a little injury. John and I have switched places in the injury department. <laughs> yeah. I, I went from the couch to back running and unfortunately Miranda went the opposite direction. Yeah. Uh, should I dive in and tell them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, tell our audience what happened. Well, so the whole story is uh, I had a beautiful run on Pawnee Buchanan, which was by far like the highlight of my 
summer of running big things and big adventures. For those of you who don't know what this, that is, it's a big loop where you climb two mountain passes in this big 28-mile loop, and it is stunningly gorgeous. It's an Indian Peaks classic. It is one of what the Indian Peaks are the mountain range um, closest to Boulder. So it's generally considered like one of the classic runs that every trail runner should do or hike at some point in their time in Boulder. Uh, It is fantastic. Super challenging. My most challenging run of the season by far. And we did some challenging shit. Ring the Springs, 50K, 20 miles in Mount Elbert, some challenging stuff. Oh, yeah, and you've been running every weekend out with your girls just on all sorts of mountain terrain. Yeah, Uh, yeah, James Peak, Audubon, all this fun stuff. But this was the most challenging. I felt like such a champion. I did it with my girlfriend, Mac, who I've mentioned before, and we talked the entire 10 hours it took us to do this. We laughed. We had a great time. Our spirits were high. We both were um, had a few um, concerns, not real injuries, just I would say points of concern. So we took the downhills pretty slow. But even with that, we were pretty proud of our 10-hour finish. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty good time. I mean, I think you could do faster. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, 10 hours is nothing to shake a stick at. <laughs> do people shake sticks anymore i don't know where does that where does that even originate from shake a stick we're gonna have to figure out what that did did like did like at. grandparents shake sticks at young kids oh, and be like to spank them yeah ah. so i wouldn't spank you for doing 10 hours <laughs> i mean maybe i would <laughs> um yeah so coming off of that i felt felt pretty tough And I was planning on the next weekend doing the four-pass loop with Mac again. Um, But we had a bit of a COVID scare. Yeah, so this is kind of why you don't hear a third voice on the pod. And it's been a little later than we had expected. Um, We were planning to interview Justin Swantek, who has an amazing story about overtraining syndrome that... Uh, we had to reschedule because of a COVID scare. Neither of us ended up getting COVID, but um, my parents were here and my mom got COVID and had to quarantine. And so, uh, yeah, so that's why there's no Justin on the pod. We're going to try and reschedule him. We'll try and get him in next time he's in town. But we also, Miranda also canceled going out in the four-pass loop, which for those listening would be the second time we failed to do the four-pass loop. (laughs) This year. As you've heard about our backpacking adventure. Um, yeah, so big bummer on that, but I decided to go out to Long's Peak, which is also a very challenging um, 14er here in Colorado. It's often thought of as like doable, but I mean, and it is doable, but it is it is quite challenging. I think it's more challenging than the way people talk about it. Uh it's just close, so people think it's accessible. Um, for for talented technical climbers, there's a lot of really fun routes on longs. For most of the rest of us, we take the keyhole route, which is still pretty challenging. Uh, it involves three miles. It's a mile and a half out, a mile and a half back of scrambling. And yeah. Yeah, you will not move quickly on that, unless no. your name is Anton Krupichka, <laughs> in which case, yeah, you can fly through it. But... 
Uh, and most of the danger out there is not you. It's the other people kicking rocks down. It's, um, for yeah, lack of some... a better word, tourists yeah. out there thinking that Long's Peak is an easy climb. If you want to come out here and climb 14ers, more power to you. Go to Quandry. Go to Decalibron. Go to the Sawatch. Uh, Long's is, is techie. It's not for the inexperienced mountaineer, climber, runner. It's, it really is for people who have some amount of comfort with really exposed heights. Yeah. Uh, longs will challenge you um, if, you're in a, if you're aspiring to climb yeah. all the 14ers, you know, or like, you know, you probably have some skill, but, uh, and, and it'll help you become a better climber, but it is not like, hey, let's go do this today. <laughs> Just to give you a little bit of an idea um, one girl with me in my group, she was overcoming her fear of heights and she was audibly whimpering on the way up. And this is a very strong, a very strong woman. Runner. We, yeah. a lot of, a lot of respect for this woman in our group and around. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, things like exposure and heights and unstable terrain can really bring out uh, a lot of fear. But I, she made it, uh, just to be very clear, and I'm super impressed by her ability to overcome that fear. I don't have fear of heights. No, Miranda is immune. I kind of just scrambled up like a, a little champion. And this was your second time up long. My second time, and that was one thing I was really excited to see how I've evolved as a runner. I did it two years ago um, as a Boulder, Colorado runner. Mm-hmm. As a newbie. Yeah, so I uh, did it two years ago and was like, oh my God, that is like the hardest thing I've ever done. It was actually one of the days she fell in love with me. Yeah. I think we shared the story on here. Oh, probably. Because I made you steak. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if anybody out there wants to impress a runner when they go on the longest, hardest run of their summer, if you just, uh, if you just make them steak when they get home or if they're vegetarian, I don't know, like portobello steak, I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, just ask them to tell you stories about their run. They're going to love you forever. Yes. So, um, anyways, then I started coming down that run and on the way down, another guy we were with started having a panic attack. Um, but the trail is not conducive for like, uh, groups of people standing on it. So, um, me and another girl, Jess, we left the guy in, in the hands of another friend of ours. So we didn't leave him, abandon him, but we couldn't all four hang out on the trail. So he was being taken no, care of. No, I mean, of. if somebody's having a panic attack, they don't want four, four people, people just standing around them. Yeah. So we left him with another runner we were with and off we went. And Jess is an experienced uh, climber. So her and I actually, we got a little lost off trail. Um, I had to do some climbing that was a bit outside my comfort zone. Um, Jess kind of spotted me from below. I wouldn't have fallen to my death, but I certainly would have gotten hurt if I fell. <laughs> so I was not interested in falling. It was... <laughs> it's what we call a no-fall zone. Yeah. Um, so I made a lot of accomplishments. I did amazing. We get to the section where we're, it's runnable finally, and it's five miles to the end. I'm about two miles out. I go to navigate around some hikers. Again, this is finally on easy terrain. These are just like steps. Just steps. I go to step down one of these steps around some hikers. I'm running and my uh, foot catches and I land really hard, twist my ankle and go all the way down to the ground. And I knew something was wrong because 
usually when I twist my ankle, it like dissipates pretty quickly and then you're back up and running. This was on the ground, writhing in pain with a bunch of hikers offering me support, which was Ugh, the most embarrassing the thing. The I was so embarrassed. The overriding emotion was embarrassment, which is just ridiculous, but that's how I felt. It's, it, I mean, when you're running and then you fall, you're trying to navigate around the hikers and then you fall right in front of them. Oh, there's nothing worse. It was. It's hubris. It's <sighs> karma. It's coming back at us. Oh my gosh. So, so I, how big was your ankle? Oh, so I, I struggled out for the last two miles. It was pretty much a walk hop out of that, out of Long's Peak for two miles, longest two miles of my life, uh, nearly. And then my ankle started to swell even on that walk. And then by the time I got home and with in the next several hours, my ankle was three times its normal size. Yeah. It's a big ankle. It's still cute though. Oh, I'm, but I am so disappointed because I really believe I need to cancel my, what was what I was considering my A race, which was the Sawatch 50k. Yeah, and the Sawatch ascent. Uh, I'm gonna be out there as uh, doing comms help with the race, um, and it's a it's a great race. If anybody needs a race uh, next weekend, yeah, there's a spot open. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a race on Saturday. Uh, great races out in the in the BB area, but yeah, it's pretty disappointing. Yeah, I've worked really hard all summer, and you're so fit, so fit and ready. I was ready to like really see what I what you I really could do. you were talking about times, and you don't I don't, you don't talk, talk about, about times, times very no. much. Miranda's a kind of enjoy the path along the way. I enjoyed the journey kind of runner. Yeah. And talking about like outcomes. Is, and I was really hoping for under seven hours, which would, which would be, be a really stout time. I mean, this yeah. course climbs to 13,500 feet. It has, I think, almost yeah. 7,000 feet of climbing. Yeah. It's like 15 miles, 16 miles up, 14 miles down. It's just it's a <sighs> so big race. I would have loved that. Ah, anyways, I'm very disappointed. Very sad about it. Um, I think I've kept my spirits relatively in a good place. So flat running. <laughs> so flat running. So I got excited today as I did my flat three miles on my ankle that is now only twice its normal size. Swelling is going down. And I really enjoyed my flat three miles. And I'm very much looking forward to recovering while training for a marathon on flat ground. <laughs> and, and you're going to go see Michael. Yes, I'm going to go see our PT. Shout out to Michael. Oh, yeah. Michael Morrison, DPT at Red Hammer Rehab. Him and his business partner, Heather, do amazing work. I feel like they keep half of Boulder running. Uh, If you are looking for uh, a PT that will help you figure out how to get back to running, Michael is, I cannot endorse Michael enough. Yeah, he's pretty amazing. He should pay us for this endorsement or maybe give us free physical therapy. But <laughs> he did send me, I, I did get a, I did get a strength training program from him. So nice. Maybe it was that. Nice. Yeah. We, we talk him up to everyone. Yeah. Especially I, mean, I, you. I feel like you sent me to him. I feel like I've recommended at least six or seven people. And I was recommended by other yeah. runners in, in an old community I was hanging out in. So yeah, Michael's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, anyways, before... he said, oh, I talked to him about you. Cause yeah. I saw him like two days ago and he said, it'll be easy. We take it. Okay, good. I like that. I like that. <laughs> See, that's why we like him. Oh, yeah. You can take care of that. 
<laughs> I'd love to get an update on you before we like talk about what we're going to talk about today because we do have some fun subjects today. Yeah, we have a couple good uh, articles to talk about. Um, but how are you doing? You're I'm back doing to good. running. I'm back to running, and I'm I'm trying not to like dive in too hard uh, because it's a very awkward time of year to be coming back into running. I, I've been off for about 12 weeks. I've had pretty low mileage, under 30 miles a week for 12 weeks, some weeks at zero, some weeks at 10, some weeks at 25. Um, and I'm trying not to just jump back into 50, 60 miles, like sign up for an ultra. Like that would be easy for me to do to just pick out some ultra in Texas in December or something and then just, you know, ramp up for that. But I feel like it's an awkward time of year because if I go ramp up now, then I'm in, then I'm pretty fit in winter and there's not, and it's harder to like, it's just, there's less desire to get out in winter. So it's a lot more forced. Um, So there'll be a natural dip in fitness and then, into spring where I usually have a bunch of races, but this year, maybe not. Who knows? We don't know what Barkley or Niwas is going to look like this year. And um, I've been talking about with a few friends about possibly doing Tour de Jean next yeah. year, Ooh, which is a 200-plus mile adventure in the Italian Alps. But that takes place in September. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about how next year's season will look. And if I want to be fit into September, starting training now does not make sense because I, you know, making that would be like a, you know, a twelve-month season. So that's not um, healthy. So what I'm looking to do is have a moderate amount of training, not try to work into like myself into a stupor or get super super fit. Just go out and enjoy the weather and the nice running and move my legs. And so I think signing up for a marathon, and I do, I do understand that I sound ridiculous <laughs> when I'm saying that, oh, yeah, a marathon will be, marathon will be moderate. Um, but it is, it is, I mean, given what I'm used to in the last couple years of the kinds of things I'm training for and the kinds of levels I'm training at that for, like, I mean, when I was training up for Tianaway or Barkley, like, I'm, I'm doing like 60, 70, 80 mile weeks, uh, which is very big for me because I'm not that fast and uh, it's a lot of time. So with a marathon, it can, I get a bit more time back and I can compress it and just try to run a bit faster, right? Which is still a lot of effort, but it's like less time spent out there, less, um, less uh, patience credits used. <laughs> so... So yeah, that's so I'm thinking a lot about the future and how to structure my season to maintain a good level of like burnout, lack of burnout and and maybe structure my season so that I can be really fit for a possible tour de jaunt next year. So still talking about it with a couple friends. I had a friend text me the other day, he's like, Hey, we should do Tour de Jean. I was like, Oh my God, yes. I mean, yeah, we should, right? <laughs> and then I talked to another friend and he's like, I'll go if you go. And I'm like, Oh my god, all right. So we got we got three guys headed out, maybe. We'll see. Um, so pretty exciting stuff, but also like kind of the close of the year, you know? Yeah. Like if we sign up for this marathon in December, then you know, that, that's kind of going to close the year. And, and, and it makes me think about how the year went and, you know, how it started and down in um, 
Santa Catalina Island for us. Oh, yeah. We'll do a full reflect uh, reflection yeah. episode, I think, in January. That's a pretty but, common thing, right? Yeah. Th- there's something about the just getting injured and Ugh, yeah. that makes you, like, reflective and planning for the future because you can't be running right now. Um, so, yeah. I'm just trying to run a little less than... Than, than, than like really big training so mm-hmm. to save some energy for next year. So, yeah. yeah. So I'm doing well. I'm happy I'm, I'm happy yeah. I'm running. It was a long answer. I love that. And ultimately, I also feel very grateful for the year that I had, um, even though it's not ending with the bang that I had planned. It's ending a bit on a wah, wah. But. <laughs> Which does it, happen. It I does mean, if happen. you run long enough, you will. You will be injured, and yeah. you will have to deal with canceling things. And yeah. yeah, speaking of the difficulty of not running, do yes. you want to get into our first article? Yeah. So to to just give a little like preparation for what we're about to talk about for our listeners, we have this article that John actually found in Trail Running Magazine about. By found, uh, we mean it was shown to me in Instagram. Advertised to you on Instagram. Actually, I'll tell that story. I saw yes. it at first, and I, I believe I was sitting at the dinner table with Miranda or something. I don't know. I was around Miranda, and I was like, <laughs> and, th- and this is the title of the article. Study shows ultra runners exhibit an increased risk for exercise dependency. And I said that to Miranda, and then I was like, well, duh. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to read this article. It was because... Uh, there's so many interesting directions I think it could have gone um, with that title and interesting exploration. I personally, um, just to give this caveat so you all know where I'm coming from, although it will become abundantly clear in a moment, I personally think they missed the mark on a lot of points um, that they could have sure. made that they didn't um, and a lot of interesting directions they could have gone. And it seems to me like it's very much written by someone who doesn't understand ultra running. Well, I don't, I don't really want to judge the author. Okay. Um, let's just start with when you hear that title. Yeah. What do you think? Study shows ultra runners exhibit an increased risk for exercise dependency. What do, What are you thinking? Well, what am I thinking? I'm do you thinking- think it's true? Do you think like it's false? Do you think that your experience mirrors that? Do you think you have personal exercise dependency? Like what thoughts are coming up? Well, the first thought to me is I think it's phrased incorrectly. I think, uh, the people, the types of people who seek out ultra running as a sport, um, are on a mission to continue to get more and more endorphins from the experience. So are likely to be the types of people that would fall into addiction regardless. Right. The study doesn't show causality. Yeah. It's just a it's just um showing it, it's claiming a correlation. I mean it can't actually show a correlation, but it's claiming that okay, you have people who identify as ultra runners. That's pretty easy. Do yeah. you ultra run? Right? Uh-huh. Done. And do you have exercise dependency is much harder of a question to answer. So they're saying that like, okay, we believe there's a higher amount of exercise dependency than in the general population in this population of ultra runners, right? Mm-hmm. I think when I hear that, I mean, obviously my first response was, 
Well, duh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, have you talked with an ultra runner? We're all fucking exercise dependent. It's hard not to be when you're generating this much endorphins, right? Mm -hmm. And like when you're running this much, you're eating a lot, right? And then your body, your body changes when you run this much and it, and there is some amount of momentum that wants you to stay there, right? So having exercise dependency, I mean, we, Almost all ultra runners probably do. And there's but, a component of it that, I, like, I'm a little bit more dependent on, and that's, like, uh, the, like, joy of being outdoors and connecting with human beings, and it's hard to find a equivalent replacement for that. Yeah. I mean, I just went, you know, back when I first got my injury, I went from training for a 100-miler to zero running, and I was depressed, yeah, you did get a little depressed. I did. And I, I generally consider one of myself one of the healthier people in the community. Not a judgment on anybody, just like that I've, you know, I try to understand why I like these things and why mm-hmm. I do these things, right? That sort of like, um, you know, therapeutic health, right? Like uh, mm-hmm. psychological health, right? And, but I still couldn't get over the fact that like, I was lacking something in my life just sitting around the house yeah. that I, I lacked that adventure that I love. And I just felt mm-hmm. sad that I couldn't do it, that I couldn't push myself. I couldn't feel good after a run. I couldn't like be anxious for something and then get through that anxiety. I mean, I could, but like, this is, this is my process for every run. And all of a sudden that whole process was just missing. And that felt yeah. like I lost something. I felt I'm not going to say empty. I don't think I had full on depression, but I felt missing something in my, in my heart and in my soul. And even just running, it took me a long time to get used to running shorter. Once I started coming back, like every time I tried to come back from the injury, I would run, I would run once and I'd be like, I have to run tomorrow. Right. And it took me a long time before I was like, no, hit the brakes, John. So, like, I, it took me three months probably before I was like, okay, I can run three days a week and be happy and find that equilibrium. But it took, it took a lot of timing. And so I guess what I'm saying is, that like, I think, we, I think most of us probably do have exercise dependency. And for me, the, the next logical thought is, well, when is it a problem? Yeah. Is it always a problem? I guess I'm just challenging that exercise dependency because it, it's – it's challenging to uh, differentiate whether that's exercise dependency or is there something in particular about the activity of distance running that gives you more than just exercise. And that's where where I think um, we've talked about our differences as runners. Yeah. And I, I also think that that deserves at least mention or exploration as well is that for me, I get social connection. I get exhilaration, adventure, um, the, the experience of being outdoors and in nature, um, breathing the fresh air. I get a little bit different than just the exercise from the activity that also I think has an addictive component. Yeah, but not not a not a direct physiological addictive component, right? Whereas yeah. like exercise, 
releases hormones. You know, I'm not going to name them because I'm no scientist, but <laughs> it releases hormones that you that make that change the way you think. Yeah. After a it run, cortisol and after a run, you think yeah. differently than before a run. Mm-hmm. And um, do you think that that would have an effect on you now that you're reducing running? Do you think it has? Oh, for sure. All of this has an effect. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. I want to talk a little bit about this article. So it claims that, or the study talks about a link between severe complications in ultra marathons <laughs> leading to intensive care unit admissions, exercise addiction, and athlete personality traits, which is just a, a weird sentence. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Could you read the sentence word for word? Or? Oh, uh, a recent study in the International Journal of Sport and Exercise Psychology delves into the link between a severe complications between severe complications in ultra marathons leading to in- intensive care unit admissions, exercise addiction, and athlete personality traits. So, I mean, we've read down uh, below. I, I'm just going to straight away and say that the ICU admissions were for hyponatremia, which is a very serious condition um, that you can also see admissions for rhabdomyces how's the end of that word go we'll just say rhabdo um which is a uh like sort of like kidney death a little thing it's like kidney shutting down right yeah it's very bad um very dangerous being overworked tends to be mostly seen in like spartan athletes or crossfit athletes but you do see it in some of these um like barclay and and like these vertical races you see because uh because a lot of the up and down has muscle death um, that can cause a shutdown of the kidneys. Um, so yeah, these things that lead to ICU admissions, yeah, yeah, these are very bad. Okay. So what the article is trying to get at here is basically like they're seeing these folks going to the hospital for engaging in this activity called ultra running it to the extreme to where they're being hospitalized. And so that must mean that there's some addictive nature that's continuing to push them to go forward, even when their bodies are shutting down. So this is kind of where the article is getting at. Yeah. And I guess the study focused on 12 hospitalized ultra runners. Yes. So they basically, their entire study, first of all, 12, I have two degrees in math, and I will tell you that 12 is not a number you can use to to draw any wide conclusions on. 12 is not enough. It it is not a large enough sample size. All right. And they picked the ones that were hospitalized. Yeah, so they they took 12 hospitalized runners, and they basically said they dispensed the exercise addiction inventory to examine various aspects of behavior and its aspect of impact on well-being. Is the exercise addiction inventory, is that just like a questionnaire? Exercise addiction inventory. He's Googling, folks. Googling. Yes, it's a short, valid, and reliable instrument to assess the risk of <laughs> exercise addiction. Do you want to do it? Oh, we're going to have to do it. Okay, let's see if I can pull it up. Um, in the meantime... Uh, yeah, so the criteria used to, to evaluate exercise addiction includes salience, which refers to the prioritizing of exercise over other ob- obligations. Yes, 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 that's right. The article goes into talking about the it, definition of exercise addiction. Yeah, and... Okay, here is the revised exercise addiction inventory. It's very short... So I will, uh, we'll, we'll do it. 
Okay. Open it up. All right. Um, so for each one of these, um, there's only six questions. Oh. Uh, rate whether you, you know, go from strongly disagree to strongly agree. Okay. There are six levels of this. Okay. So uh, strongly disagree, disagree, slightly disagree, slightly agree, agree, strongly agree. Got it. All right. Number one, exercise is the most important thing in my life. Uh, mm, disagree. Agree. <laughs> All right. Conflicts have arisen between me and my family and or my partner about the amount of exercise I do. Uh, disagree. Agree. I mean, not between us, but... Not between us. Pass, pass for sure. Yeah. I would say pass, but then I cut all them out. Oh, my gosh. Now I'm... Now I... <laughs> I don't know. Number, all right. Number three, I use exercise as a way of changing my mood, e.g. to get a buzz to escape, etc. Strongly agree. I would say disagree for me. Oh. Oh, my God. We're way off. Yeah. Different than each other. Number four, over time, I have an... In- I have increased the amount of exercise I do in a day. <laughs> Strongly agree. Strongly agree. <laughs> Number five. If I have to miss an exercise session, I feel moody and irritable. Ooh. Uh, strongly agree. I don't. Strongly agree. I don't like missing. It's priority for me. Yeah. Over all things other than you and Summit. So do you want to change your answer okay. to question number one? Yes, I should. <laughs> but I was just thinking about you and Summit. You're more important to me than I guess exercise. that's true. That's true. No, that's still a good answer. All right, the final question. If I cut down the amount of exercise I do, then start again, I always end up exercising as often as I did before. I strongly agree. I mean, that's the whole point of yeah. getting back into training. <laughs> that's what training is. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> I don't understand. Strongly agree. Okay, so wait, do we have to, do we have to get some amount of points? I don't know, whatever. We'll just, we'll just leave that where it is. Yeah, we don't need to give our results because I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I, I'm not going to argue that exercise isn't a huge priority in my life. let's, Let's talk about. Yeah. Is exercise dependency bad? this is a good direction um maybe this is the addict in me speaking but I don't feel like exercise in my life or in your life has been a negative in any way I feel like it has played a different priority at different times such as like we went way into the priority that Barkley training played in our lives. Mm-hmm. I have in the past, not in since we've been together, but in the past, I have prioritized marathon training over everything else. Mm-hmm. And that's always been a, like a priority with an end. Like any work project is a priority with an end. So it, I don't feel like it was a bad thing. What do you feel? Okay. When you say it's not a bad thing, like you're saying that the costs were not too great yeah. and the outcomes were worth it and yeah. the 
and uh, and that you recovered from the amount of burnout or whatever it cost you, right? Yeah, and ultimately, I think it was a mentally and emotionally healthy thing to have a challenging goal to work towards and to put a lot of effort and energy towards that goal. I feel like that that um, that aspect of my personal nature that likes to work towards a goal was a good thing to feed. Do you ever feel that 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 feeling, if you have to miss a run or an exercise session, right, as this thing, do you feel that that feeling is always productive? That, I mean, to go back to the questionnaire, if I have to mix, miss an exercise session, I feel moody and irritable. Mm. Is that result productive? So, okay. This, this is interesting. This is an interesting topic because as I think we went, I talked about a little bit in one of those previous questions or alluded to, it has been challenging in past relationships with either friends, family, um, or specifically romantic partners when they didn't respect my prioritization of running or training. And then I would become very resentful if someone disrespected my training when I was pretty clear about like, this is what I'm going to do. This is my plan. And if that was disrespected, Oh yeah, I had a lot of resentment and ultimately I think, um, led to me prioritizing relationships where someone Uh was respectful of me, which is is not necessarily a bad thing, but this is pretty helpful for uh, partner selection discussion, (laughs) right? If you understand that you have exercise dependency of of some kind, right? Prioritizing a partner that's not going to resent you for that. Yeah. Probably pretty good. So what about you? What if you couldn't run if someone disrespected you? When I, well, I mean, I think my that wasn't entirely what I was asking okay, you, okay. but um, to answer your question, I guess but I'll answer your different. question. Yeah, um, yeah, I was in a relationship where it started when I was training for a hundred, and then, and then I did that hundred. That was my first one, and then I took a break, and then I was gonna go start training again, and uh, and the person I was with was like, uh, "You you're running too much," and I'm like, uh, "I'm the same person you dated." Like this is, I haven't changed. I'm the same person. And she was like, oh, well, I just thought that was done. And I'm like, I don't know where you got that idea. Cause I'm going to continue to run. This is me. Um, so just like you said, like I've been clear about what I am and what I want. Um, and running's always been the most important thing to me. I mean, you, yeah. you and summit, my family, obviously, incredibly important. My community is super important to me. But, yeah. Um, I'll always have running. Or I won't, and then I'll be miserable. <laughs> Hashtag exercise dependency. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I want to talk about this thing that I tried to ask you about, like this withdrawal. They call it withdrawal. Le- leading mm-hmm. to negative emotions when unable to exercise. Yeah. And so I will have days I wake up. And I try to run or exercise every day, um, except for one day a week where I try to rest. And if I have that second day and I should go, and I think I need to go for a run and then I don't end up doing it, even though that might be for a good reason, like I'm injured or um, something like I will feel 
so much guilt. Ah, uh, yes, I have the guilt too. It's, and I don't know if that guilt is productive. Yeah. Maybe if I was training and I didn't have any excuse, that guilt is somewhat productive to be like, hey, don't do this too often. But on days when, you know, recently when I've been injured so much, I had a lot of days where I was just like, I, I don't want to work out. Like, mm-hmm. I feel so depressed with not being able to run. And then, and, and probably the best thing for to me would just be to relax and have low stress levels. But instead yeah. I had amplified stress levels because I was feeling, I was, I was mad at myself and I, I was, mm. I was feeling guilty. Yeah. And I think that those feelings are not, they're, they're productive during training because they motivate, promote, you to keep motivate me to, to, yeah. to be good on my training. They're not productive when I am injured. injured. Yeah. And, but they're the same feeling. And so they don't come from training. Mm-hmm. They come from, you know, a wound inside of me like that I feel like not good enough when I don't externally yeah. show it, right? right. And so working through that, maybe I need to go back to some therapy or whatever to talk about, or I can just like talk into this microphone and that's basically therapy, right? Uh, <laughs> he doesn't mean that. Um, if you know John, you know he does not mean that. <laughs> Joke. But uh, yeah, there's this, there's clearly this unproductive feeling that uh, I use in a productive way. Like, like that guilt, I uh, can have a good thing, but it also okay. can have a bad thing. And I think that that's where some of these exercise dependency things can go a little too far. Yeah, I I definitely see what you're saying, and I agree. Um, I was saying the resentment was a negative feeling, and that um, potentially has good things attached to it and bad things similar to the guilt. Right, there it are, helps are, you structure your life so you uh-huh, could do what's most important yeah. for you. Yeah, and similar to that guilt, there are the good times when it's a useful emotion and times when it's um, not so useful. What about um, conflict, which arises between exercise and responsibilities? I don't experience this often because I've structured my life to have very few responsibilities, and I'm lucky (laughs) enough to be able to do that. I I have privilege, yes. Um, No, I don't experience that. Um, I think... Maybe if we had a baby. Yeah, maybe if we had a baby and we had to, like, um, balance baby and running and you running and my running... Um, but yeah, we have low responsibilities. Um, I trim the trees in the backyard, um, but I let them get pretty out of control before I trim them. Yeah. I mean, I shave like once a month. (laughs) Um, I like to keep our house really clean, but I also love nothing more than getting home from a long run and, um, drinking a gin and tonic while I listen to a podcast and clean the house. Oh, or taking an edible and watching bad movies. Oh. So good. So no, yeah, no, I don't feel, I don't feel that. But I actually wanted to go back one step because I think there's something that a negative emotion that I experience when I'm not running that I did not, I failed to mention maybe because it's a touchy subject. Yeah. Um, That's body image issues. Ooh. This is like the third rail of of podcasting. (laughs) Yeah, so... For me, I've suffered from a lot of uh, um, body dysmorphia and eating disorders. And um, I think that can be exacerbated by running for some people. For me, that hasn't been the case. Uh, Running has been very healing. 
and in particular trail running and ultra running has been really healing. Um, I feel, I feel very, um, I feel it's very important to nourish my body when I'm running and nourish it with good, healthy, fatty, amazing foods. Um, and I feel good about eating those foods. I think about, um, the shape of my body a lot less in any sort of negative way. And I feel pretty proud of what it can accomplish. I like look you at You do my, that reframing toward what your body is capable of. Yes. Rather than the way it looks. But I also love the way it looks. Like me, me running, <laughs> running also like gives me this pride. Like I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh my God, I just ran Pawnee Buchanan this weekend. Look at these quads. They're fucking amazing and hot and sexy. And I, I have that, that feeling, um, towards my body. And then when I'm not running, um, that feeling is harder to, um, it's more elusive. Yeah. Do you feel it? Um, you have a larger sense of body dysmorphia when you're not running as much. Yeah, yeah, and it's in, it's in. It's, I had a realization that about the in, level of intensity that it comes on actually on Friday. So I do these parties called Naked Ladies Parties with my girlfriends, where mm-hmm. we get together and we have clothing exchanges, mm-hmm. and it's really fun. It's a great way to refresh your closet, to be sustainable, to have a great night with girls. Um, but I haven't been running for a week because of this injury. And I very much did not look forward to going into this party Uh, because I was like worried. I wouldn't like the way anything looked on my body. Yeah. And like people would hand me pants and I'd be like, Oh, those aren't going to fit me. And I would put them on and they were like big on me. And so, like, in my, my head is just messed up when I'm not running. Like, it just doesn't, um, it doesn't see the shape of my body the way it actually is. It doesn't see it accurately. Yeah. And so that's... So you almost don't trust your own, like, vision and thoughts. Yeah. yeah. This, the, this party ultimately ended up being really affirming because these girls are just great. And they were just like, you look amazing. And I was like, yeah, you're right, I do. And you came and home with so many cute clothes. <laughs> I did. And, um... Girls that I thought were um, much thinner than me were actually not. And that made me feel good, too, to, like, actually have a physical representation of that in the fact that pants fit us the same. So it was, and I think they're gorgeous and hot. So, of course, I'm gorgeous and hot, too. And to be so very that party, clear. That party came in at a good time. For <laughs> yeah. But also to be very clear to our listeners, I don't think thinness is necessarily hot. I think all shapes of of bodies are beautiful and sexy. I tend to, as an athlete, lean towards liking my body when it's in a certain athletic shape more than when I'm like on an off season. Um, and I think that's something that probably a lot of athletes struggle with. And it's very natural for athletes to oscillate weight. It is. And I have been working very intentionally to not just accept that my body oscillates, but to um, embrace and love my body during its heavier times and during those oscillations. But it's hard work because we're socialized and conditioned from a very young age that thinness is beauty. 
Yeah. 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 So okay. yeah, well, thank you. Know that. Thank you for yeah. sharing that. Miranda. Let me dive into those negative feelings. Oh my gosh, I, I that must I I can't really connect with you too much over that. I've yeah. I I experience a very minor amount of body dysmorphia, and um, I don't wish it upon anybody. Yeah, we want you to love your body. People. Yeah, it's the only body you get. You it, might as well love it. It is. It is. But it's um good to continue that work because it's a lifelong journey when we're all the time being fed the opposite messages. Do you think that running in and exercise in general, like provides you such easy shortcuts to fixing this body, fixing, helping you with this body dysmorphia that when you're lacking this help, this shortcut, whatever, that you, you're coming back to a place where you have to solve it all, you know, internally in your head, in your own heart. Um, and that this like spinning suddenly without your crutch, your shortcut makes, you know, makes helps you realize like, oh, I still have a lot of work to do. Is that, is that, <laughs> is that jive? Yeah, I think in some ways. Yeah, I definitely, it definitely does jive. Um, as I think a lot of folks use running as a crutch for different issues. And oh, I sure do. Someday we're going to get real in, in uh, deep on trauma and the connection between trauma uh, and running and using running as therapy. Um, I su- yeah, I suppose we need to do an episode on <laughs> we'll me at some We'll definitely point. dive into that future episode. Um, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm constantly aware of the work I need to do in this area. I think running uh, eases it a lot. Okay. Um, but well, so it's a journey. It is. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that, Miranda. Yeah. I appreciate that. I know our listeners do. Um, we're going to take a quick break before we come back with our next little article. Ooh. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys in a moment. And welcome back to Running With Problems. We have some light topics next, or a light topic. L- a lighter topic. Lighter. Yeah. <laughs> so at the end of the Ultra Trail du Mont Blanc, the uh, UTMB, the most competitive 100-mile ultramarathon in the world, the now the World Series UTMB, I don't know, they're doing a lot of things. I don't really know what it's called now. Um, but the fourth-place woman who ran an incredible race. Uh, she was in second and dropped and just got past in the last few sections uh, before dropping to fourth, but still putting together an incredible time. Fu Xiao Zhang from China wa- finished the race, and as she was celebrating, she's running up and down, and then her partner gets on one knee and proposes to her at the finish line of... UTMB and it's it's uh it's, you know it's a very sweet moment there's a great picture of them we'll link it in the show notes and we've discussed this a bit yeah. and and online there's a lot of people saying well you're taking away uh like the glory or like you know her moment right like yeah. like it's a man asserting himself over a woman at a time when she is celebrating herself to start. No, 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 you need to celebrate me. My, uh, there's even a nice article, a nice posting on Reddit here where they 
they get the name of the athlete wrong. That's fun. Um, <laughs> and and uh, this user, Mr. Spillin, says, obviously she's delighted and deserves to bask in the glory. It's her moment, but her partner, who didn't run, proposed to her on the finish line. To me, that's nuts. She had to stop celebrating to listen to a speech he did and then let her moment become an, about the proposal, all within minutes of crossing the finish line. Not only that, as she crossed the line, he was right in the way where the photographers were trying to take pictures of her. Just don't get it. The physical achievement and how scrambles her brain must be after a race like that. The proposal's the last thing I'd bloody want. Okay, so apparently he's British. Oh, yeah. um, and, and Or she or they. I don't yeah, know. yeah. Although it does say Mr. Spillins. Oh, must be a mister. They could, identify as a they, mister. Technically presumably. Identifying. Yeah. So let her have the moment. And I don't disagree with Mr. Spillins here. Uh, yeah. even, even though he got the name of the athlete wrong. But um, it is uh, Fu Xiao Zhang. Um, and, but at the same time, I've heard that uh, her and her partner met at UTMB in 2019 ah. on the uh, English language broadcast that I was watching live. Mm-hmm. Um, Corinne Malcolm and Dylan Bowman were talking about it, and they it it seemed very sweet. Um, uh-huh. I don't know if it's my cup of tea. So what we're talking about specifically is marriage proposals at race finish lines and how we feel about them. This is a specific situation in which it may or may not have been the right thing to do because of the circumstances of the relationship, right? Well, I they mean, met at I'm not gonna, I don't want to judge them in particular. Yeah. I think we are going to step away from any judgment of Fu Zhaozhang and yeah. her partner, but we can talk about like in general. In general. Yeah. Which is an interesting topic. Yeah. Like it, I've also heard stories of, uh, you know, two ultra running couples, uh, that, propose I that a proposal happened at a 50 mile mark of a hundred miler and then they finished together oh that's kind of kind of cute like they were running together and yeah, then he the, proposed at the halfway mark yeah oh my gosh there's so it's much where, pressure to finish the, that though what if they then quit at mile I mean, 75 yeah, yeah, like no, you can't quitting. that can't be they're not quitting, oh no. my gosh <laughs> uh apparently they had met at that aid station uh, i forget the story it's it was, I heard it on 10 Junk Miles, another podcast okay. I listened to at some point. But that sounds cute. I don't know. Like, so these people met at, at UTMB Starline, so he's proposing where they met, right? Okay, like that sounds intentional. That's pretty cute. That does sound... I, I think that it needs to be specific to the relationship of the couple. I don't think in a large general sense that it's a good idea to propose at the finish line of a race. However, if circumstances are unique to the couple that somehow make this race, this location, this experience special, then maybe question mark. It does seem a little attention seeking. Yeah. That like, especially taking away from such a big moment for the other person. Like you're in a moment of celebration for one person and then the other person comes in and says, let's make this about us. And to me, that is the first response I'm going to have is, are you seeking attention here? Mm -hmm. Now it could be that they both love this for them because it's it's the completion of that loop in the mountains. It's right where it's like it's like them coming back to where they started, right? Yeah. And so, um, you know, in their relationship, it may be perfect. Yeah. But I think in general, like, don't 
propose when your partner is already being celebrated in public. Yeah. I think that that's just generally for most relationships going to be a bad move. And now, so I also have to make this abundantly clear for our listeners. Neither you nor I like attention in no, that sort of way. And that's I don't even like. Super clear from the way like we proposals. got married. <laughs> and our proposal. Yeah. I, I asked you while we were watching John Wick 2 on the couch. It was, that's that's the way I like to propose. Yes. It, he's not kidding, listeners. It was, we were watching John Wick 2. I believe it was on your birthday, of all things. Yeah, I think so. It was on your birthday. We were watching John Wick 2, and you said, I don't have a ring or anything, and I'll do this again if you want me to, but will you marry me? <laughs> that was how he said it. It was so cute. And I loved it because... That was just so perfect for us. Because it's genuine. It's yes. exactly in the moment where I decided, no, nah, this is a girl for me. I mean, she's so amazing. All the running we get to do together and uh, cooking and spending time together and just com- conversing. Like, we just get along so much. And she likes good action films. Like, I was just looking at her enjoying John Wick 2, and I just was filled with love. Yeah, it was perfect. So, at the finish line of a race, would not in any way resemble that proposal. No, it's, it's definitely not our style. So, I mean, it's... So, I just wanted to It's probably that. somebody's style. Yeah. So, I have a couple friends who I actually think it was beautiful for them. Um, but this is a rare... To me, this is rare where it fits so perfectly into the relationship. They were running a marathon, the Rock and Roll Marathon, and they were running it for charity for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And there was um, a need for them to get married quickly because um, the bride's father had um, leukemia or lymphoma and was um, going to pass soon. And so they were running this race together in honor of her father. He had planned to propose to her at the finish line of the marathon. He was carrying the ring in his pocket the whole race. Um, It very cutely went awry where she felt good and ran ahead of him. (laughs) So instead of him being at the finish line waiting for her or them crossing the finish line together, she finished and then he finished after her. And he had to go find her in the expo (laughs) while she's eating a banana. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. proposed to her and it was just so um, adorable in, in that the whole experience went together and went worked for them. Now, I've seen it be very awkward and weird as well, where um, a guy that I know, he ran a 50-miler and decided at the end of his 50-miler to propose to his girlfriend. Very strange proposal. Yeah, but within the... Like, you're not taking away from anybody else's moment there. No, he was taking away from his own moment to propose to his girlfriend who met him at the finish line. It's so special that you're here for me. Watching me run. <laughs> Let's make this a moment for us forever. I have no idea if what significance that played in their relationship. I just, oh, I just was like a little thrown back. Like, wow, like you carried this ring on your fifty miler and then finished and immediately got down on your knees. Like, can you even stand up? Like, what? <laughs> 
that going to give you some cramps? <laughs> right? Oh, going to have to have lazy sex. <laughs> to celebrate? Yeah. She's going to have to do all the work. Oh, all the work. <laughs> Just like the rest of their relationship. Oh, I hope not. No. <laughs> Any, any more to say on finish line proposals? I guess just to sum it up, I think um, uh, you what you said is like be aware of your intention. Um, yeah. What I said is the the significance it plays in the relationship matters. Yeah. Um, and clearly for these people, like, you know, I love the idea of it coming full circle to yeah. where they started. After doing a full yeah. circle race. Um, yeah, totally. And they're both competitive ultra runners running at the highest levels. So, like, um, yeah, I think it works for them. But, yep. and, but uh, yeah, don't try not to usurp other people's moments. Yeah, I think that being aware of the intention there is really important. Yeah. And I think that's going to bring us to a close for this week. Yep. And this episode. Um, we really appreciate everyone for listening. Yeah, thank you all. And get out there and uh, go for a run. And don't worry. Well, and think about your problems a little bit, I guess. <laughs> and don't forget to leave us a review. Oh, yeah. We'll do that in the intro. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye.